You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, John Beeler. Got a pretty cool program today. Later on, we will uh, be talking with our good friend, Mark Salzman, about uh, his picks for back-to-school gear. I think we're all uh, gearing up for that. Uh, Of course, the kids are going to be heading back in some form or fashion uh, in the next uh, week. So uh, we've got some great tech that might help make that transition a little bit easier. We'll also be chatting with uh, the folks over at Canada Learning, uh, at the Canada Learning Code uh, organization about uh, how kids are learning about programming and coding and how important it is for this next generation of students uh, and children to be taking that type of uh, learning uh, material. And it's uh, unfortunately not as prevalent as it should be. So it's a, it's a really interesting uh, discussion. So even if you don't code, uh, I, I think you should really tune in just to, to see where we're at uh, as, a, as a country. And we're going to be talking about uh, Disney they will be releasing uh, a first-run movie, their new live-action Mulan, and not in theaters, but through pay-per-view. And you'll be blown away at the cost. <laughs> we'll be discussing if this is a precedent uh, for a new trend for studios releasing movies, especially during the uh, the lockdown and the pandemic that we're, we're going through in, in many parts of the world. John, let's go through some of the uh, the news stories that we're following uh, this week. Something that really caught my eye was something new from Amazon. And it looks like it's being released down in the U.S. first. It's called the Halo Band. It's uh, a smart health subscription that comes with a, a wearable activity tracker. And I think what makes this one different, John, because, you know, we've seen the Apple Watches, the ones from Garmin and Fitbit. This one is not looking to get... FDA or Health Canada approval, it's basically just trying to give you an overall look, I guess, where your your health uh, is at, and and not like a like uh, a very um, I guess precise one. Uh, but not only will it uh, do tracking, how many steps you're doing, it does have a I guess a heart rate monitor built into it, but it's also going to ask you to take a picture of your semi naked body. So it can do an assessment <laughs> of how much body fat you you have. And so so get this. Uh, down in the U.S., anyway, again, uh, I don't know when it's coming to Canada. It's going to be $65 for a six-month membership. Uh, and I think that comes with the, the band. And there's no screen on the band or anything. It just looks like kind of a, a fabric band with a little metal component uh, on it. But... With your smartphone, you need to take a picture of yourself in tight clothing. I guess maybe your your underwear. So it can take a 3D scan of your body. So you got to take this from, I think, six feet away. And then it will actually create an image of your body in the app. And you can use a slider to show how much body fat, if you wanted, if there was extra body fat or less on your body. How do you feel about that, John? I can't wait for Amazon to fat shame me. <laughs> you remember the nintendo wii fitness yeah uh, yeah stuff yeah um they actually got into some hot water because when you 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 there was like a little scale that you would get that you would pair with your wii and there was a game that you could play but part of sort of getting into the game was it would actually take your weight and give you a representation on the screen 
And then it basically would say something really kind of nasty to you, like, you know, you're obese or something like that. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, this Amazon thing seems like a lot like that. Um, the interesting thing about this particular thing is you actually have to give Amazon quite a lot of personal information and, like you said, a pseudo semi-naked photo of yourself. Um, oh, my God. How many people are going to want to do that? I don't know, but okay, let's let's look at some of the things that it's going to be measuring. Uh, it's going to track your activity, skin temperature, your sleep state. Uh, it has an accelerometer, heart rate monitor. It also has two microphones, and they say that they're going to use this uh, to measure uh, your overall well-being. It's going to be listening to your voice all the time to see if you're kind of stressed out or not to paint a picture of your overall health. You the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> I, I got to be honest, like in some ways I'm actually intrigued by this and I want to try it. On the other side, it's freaking me out a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I mean, if it is as pure as it, it's claiming to be, then yeah, it, it could be useful for some people. Um, it just depends on really what kind of information it's going to give back to the user to make it worth their while to give all this personal information and to be tracking all this stuff. Um, it is a little sort of concerning that there's microphones in your wristband. I mean, we both wear Apple Watches right now that have microphones on them, and we're not that concerned about it. But um, definitely, <laughs> this is something that I think some people are going to have a problem with. Um, it's interesting, too, that it's it's going to be managing or, or you know... Uh, they're tracking something called tone. It's like your your overall tone. You know, you're sleeping, your your activity level, your, your voice, body fat. I, I'm again. I'm interested. I'm I am going to try this when it becomes available. Um, I do have a level of trust with Amazon. I I'm not as concerned about Alexa yeah. listening to me. So some people are. There's no question. Like my wife, no she freaking hates it. <laughs> The one thing I do like about this, though, is that it doesn't actually have a screen. I know I know a lot of people, they don't like the idea of a smartwatch because they don't want to be reminded of, you know, emails or Facebook posts or whatever. And, you know, and even then, sometimes like the Fitbits and other devices like that, they all add that functionality. Some people just want to have something that's just sort of passively tracking them uh, from an activity standpoint that doesn't have a screen. And presumably it's waterproof and all that other kind of stuff. So you don't have to worry about it. Plus, it probably has ridiculous battery life, too, because there's no screen. We're going to have to take a break. You are listening to Get Connected when we come back. Uh, we've got more to talk about, uh, some back-to-school tech gear picks. And uh, how prepared is Canada for teaching kids about coding? Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Still lots to talk about on today's program, including some uh, more back-to-school gear tips uh, from our good friend Mark Salzman uh, out of Toronto. Uh, let's talk a little bit about coding now, which is a very important uh, topic, especially for uh, the younger folks, uh, the K to 12, kindergarten to grade uh, 12. Uh, you know, they're all typically learning some type of uh, programming in school. John, uh, did you take uh, computer science or programming when you were going through high school? Not not really, kind of. Uh, we didn't really have it back when I was in school. I am old. Um, as I was going through high school, they started to introduce all that type of stuff, but I was still way ahead of the curve. I had a computer before my school did and all that kind of stuff. But 
that was the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, I was uh, in high school and back in obviously the 80s. I think we learned like basic on the Apple II computers. And then when we got into high school, I thought, oh, we've hit the big time now. I'm going to learn some cool programming languages. But they, they just weren't fully up to speed yet. It was so new. And I think we were learning languages like Pascal and Fortran and Turtle, like languages from the 70s. Uh, and even at that point, I knew like, yeah, this is kind of old stuff, but uh, so much different now. Today, we're going to uh, talk about uh, coding uh, as it uh, relates uh, here in Canada. We've got a great guest on the line. Her name is Anna Villanueva. She's the Educator Programs Manager at Canada Learning Code. Thanks for joining us today, Anna. Hey, Mike. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell us about your organization and, and how it relates to uh, the schools and, and the kids learning how to code, which is uh, a very important, uh, uh, I guess, skill to have nowadays. Yeah, we're Canada Learning Code. We're a non-for-profit organization, um, and we serve to bring this type of education that you're talking about, coding and programming education, to underrepresented groups in the tech sector um, amongst three different groups. So ladies and adults, uh, youth, and then educators. And so I uh, am the program manager for our educator programs, and we're responsible for delivering these types of workshops to educators so that they can confidently bring in this type of um, education into their classrooms. And uh, one interesting thing you mentioned that you were introduced to coding way back when, but it wasn't available everywhere. It's still not. Um, And so this is what we're going to talk about today, which I'll probably allude to later on is, yeah, this is why our organization exists to make sure that everybody's talking about coding and recognizing the importance of it in the education space. So people don't go to your site to learn how to code. You're kind of uh, teaching educators and, and advocating uh, for a framework in, in schools to make sure that everyone has access to this type of learning. That's exactly right. We have the framework, we have free lesson plans online, but we do provide workshops face-to-face, now virtual because of COVID, of course, uh, workshops for educators who are interested in learning how to teach it. You mentioned that it's not really available in all the schools uh, as much as uh, I think we would all like. Uh, I thought this was just kind of part of the regular curriculum in, in all Canadian schools, but that's not the case. It's not the case, surprisingly. Um, so what I'm talking about is, especially in the K-8 space, uh, it's only available right now in three provinces in Canada. Um, and in recognizing that, that's why we're doing the work that we do. What are the best provinces right now? <laughs> I mean, I think different provinces have adopted it for Different reasons, different paces. Everyone's different in terms of their learning journey. Um, but uh, BC... Ontario more recently, and then Nova Scotia. Why do you think it's important uh, for all kids to have access to this type of material and, and education? I think right now, this this time that we're in is such a good example of the need for this type of education. Everything's everything's going digital. Our economy is increasingly a growing digital economy and so it's become a very it's become the primary skill set tech education not just coding but being savvy with playing with tech manipulating tech um it's going to be so useful in many jobs especially as we move towards ai and machine learning and so it's important that everybody has a fair chance in being introduced to this 
and one of the one of the things that I, I think is really important about this skill set is that even if you're not going to become a coder or a programmer, you're learning so many other skills as far as like working in teams, especially now working remotely as well, like all these other sort of ancillary skills that you need to learn to do this properly uh, really transfer to a lot of other industries and other types of work. That's exactly right. A lot of educators, they they like to teach coding because it helps develop that those problem solving skills, that critical thinking. And one of the things that we're finding is it also helps develop um, resiliency, not being afraid to fail and not being afraid to give up when the problem gets too tough. That's the most beautiful thing about this type of education is it's primed to develop those soft skills. The other interesting thing about coding, at least as a, if you will, a gateway drug to some of these other skills is that it's, um, it's a very fun way to do it in the school system. Uh, You know, I can only imagine, Mike, like when we were kids, getting to program a game is your schoolwork. I mean, and, but you learn so much amazing skills just doing that process. Um, And that's part of this curriculum is to learn how to, you know, program games and apps and that type of stuff and, and really solve the problems like Anna mentioned. I guess my question, uh, you know, you talk K to 12. I mean, are they actually teaching kindergartners how to code? Some are, some aren't. Um, For the most part, they are not. And, the way that we think about coding isn't the actual getting on a computer and, you know, uh, putting in the right formulas to get what you want. I, I, I like to think about coding um, as a certain mindset that you develop. And it is that ability to identify problems, essentially the ability to debug in your head and recognize, okay, wh- what can be more efficient in this problem that I'm trying to solve? So when you're teaching coding at uh, the primary level, you're not necessarily getting them on a computer right, o- right away. You're getting them to develop those soft skills uh, that you were just talking about, John, to equip them to learn coding later on. I think the thing too is like, you know, uh, programming languages like Scratch, for example, uh, and there's a lot of other ones in the Arduino space where you're just basically dragging and dropping Lego blocks. So I definitely think this is something a kindergarten level student can learn um, because it's very cause and effect. It's very simple to understand some of the concepts behind it, uh, even at that young age. And it's something that I've seen. uh, I used to teach a lot of kids about 3D printing and I would always sort of take it back into their world, you know, contextualize it into Minecraft, for example, and realizing that Minecraft is basically just a giant 3D modeling software tool that just happens to be gamified. Just looking at, uh, you know, obviously the the schools uh, across uh, Canada, um, do they do they have the right funding in place to to make sure that uh, they can offer this type of uh, skill and education? No, not not a lot of schools do, unfortunately, and that's the harsh reality, but also one of the most challenging things um, uh, that exists for us in our programming and in our workshops is, okay, here we are delivering these free workshops to educators, but how do we ensure that they get the right uh, tools like laptops, for example, or proper access to Wi-Fi? How do we make sure that they get that in place so they can leverage our workshops in the best way possible? We try to, to be as inclusive as possible in recognizing that not a lot of schools have this access. We do incorporate a lot of what we call unplugged activities into our programming. 
so that educators can teach concepts of coding without the need for a computer. It's more um, activity-based, how to use your body or how to use paper and pencils to understand the foundation and fundamentals of coding and programming without actually using your laptop. I guess my question, though, for the educators, uh, you say you have these workshops to help to get them up to speed, uh, but isn't it important that they have some kind of coding knowledge to begin with, or are you providing that? Because, you know, coding's not the simplest thing in the world, uh, you know, at a, a larger scale. Yeah, it's it's important for them to have that mindset that they're not going to go they're, they're not going to know everything when they're going to teach this. I think one of the things that teaching tech education has kind of surfaced is that the way we deliver this type of education to students has to change. We can't be expected to be the sage on the stage like we normally are with other subject areas. Tech education is something where educators need to learn with the students and position that with the students. Hey, I'm going to learn with you. We're going to make mistakes together. So for the audience listening right now, and you know, especially a lot of the parents uh, that would like to see more of this type of uh, content and, and skills taught uh, in their schools, uh, what can they do? Uh, you know, how, how can they work through you to, to enable this? They can definitely visit our website, canadalearningcode.ca. There's a ton of free workshops that parents, uh, their children, teachers can sign up for to get introduced to um, coding and programming. Very cool. Well, I want to thank you for joining us uh, today, Anna. That was uh, very helpful and very insightful. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was Anna Villanueva. She's the Educator Programs Manager at Canada Learning to Code. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. And we'll also be chatting with uh, Mark Salzman in a little bit about uh, some of uh, his back-to-school picks as uh, as far as tech here. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Don't forget to hit our website, Giving Away. An awesome prize, uh, thanks to the folks over at Samsung. A Samsung Galaxy A71 smartphone. All you have to do to enter is hit getconnectedmedia.com. If you go to our newsletter tab, and there's little uh, icons and banners uh, to lead you there, just subscribe to the newsletter and you are entered into not only this contest, but all the ones going forward. Again, an, a Samsung Galaxy A71 smartphone. This thing's worth about 500 bucks. Beautiful screen, great cameras. Enter. We'd love to uh, be given more of these out. Uh, let's talk about something really interesting, John. Disney, one of the big studios, one of the bigger studios in the world. Uh, they're constantly releasing blockbuster movies. Mulan, uh, the animated movie, uh, came out uh, years ago. They've made a live action version of it. And because of the pandemic, and obviously people aren't really going to theaters uh, this year, and for who knows how long, Disney has taken a new way of releasing this. It's not going to go to theaters first. It's going to go direct to home video and video on demand. And so through their Disney Plus streaming service, if you want to see this movie September 4th, it will be released. You can rent it through the Disney Plus service. Sounds like a good plan. Interesting. How much does it cost, Mike? (laughs) In Canada, $35 to rent it. It's interesting because this is a very bold statement that Disney is doing. This is something that a number of uh, movie studios were sort of waiting to see how the summer was going to play out with their big blockbusters. 
but also how things like theaters were going to come back and if there is an opportunity for them to show these things in theaters. So, but when you think about what it would cost to say to take a family to see Mulan in the theater, 35 bucks is probably a pretty good deal. Yeah. But we also know that, you know, in a month or two, you know, might be slightly uh, uh, sped up because of COVID that you'll be able to watch this on or rent this on iTunes and other places as well, presumably um, for a fraction of that, like 10 bucks or six bucks or whatever, you know, those kinds of things are. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how well this does for Disney. Um, and also how well the, stu- uh, the movie theaters are going to take it. Well, they're not, they're is- not going to take it. Well, I don't think there is to see pony up for at that price. I mean, are, is there going to be giant Mulan watching parties? Is it that big of a deal for a lot of people? I don't know. It's not my kind of movie. It's a family movie. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's still a pretty price. If you can wait a month or two, it's going to come down and or it'll just be available on Disney Plus eventually. Yeah. So. And so this this is the big thing, John. Uh, so not only is it $35, but you also have to have the Disney Plus subscription service. Right. So... I, I don't know. I, I could see, you know, watching parties, uh, you know, if you had a bunch of family and kids that wanted to come over and, and watch it, it's great value, right? If you had five, six, seven people watching it, instead if of going to, if, instead if of going to the people that want to watch it, I, I, I just don't know if this is the best movie to sort of test these waters. Well, um, I think there's two types of movies, John, like there's these type of Disney movies that are definitely fam- more kind of more family related yeah. then there's the the christopher nolan movie that everyone well i've been waiting for tenant that yes, that is too. hitting the theaters you know would i pay 35 dollars to watch tenant in my house on my big screen i might you know have a few people over oh yeah no I, that's the thing is i would definitely i mean i i just don't know me personally how anticipated this mulan movie is and i could, could be be completely wrong on this but definitely, you know, we've talked about this multiple times. I would pay that in a heartbeat to watch Tenet. Well, we'll be following this story. Uh, it's happening September 4th, so I think that's next uh, Friday. Uh, so the next show, we'll get some actually data, I think, uh, from how well that uh, worked out. It, it could be a new precedent for how new movies are released. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You're right. back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Well... Back to school time is upon us. It's kind of weird, crazy time, but nonetheless, those kids are going back to get an education. As always, we try to cover the the best of uh, tech gadgets and gear, and uh, we've got one of the best experts in Canada. His name is Mark Salzman. You might see his giant head on the movie screens. Well, maybe not lately, <laughs> but maybe more yeah, so in the not future. Not lately, that's for sure. <laughs> Mark, I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Hey, John. Let's uh, get right into some of the uh, the gear that uh, has caught your eye uh, this uh, this season. I think there's a, a lot of different components. Maybe to start with some affordable smartphones for students. 
Yeah. So whether the kids are going back into the classroom uh, and commuting to and from school or learning from home, or maybe depending on where you're listening or watching this uh, interview, uh, it's a bit of both as it is uh, in Toronto where we are. Um, A smartphone, I think, is a great tool for students, especially sort of, I'd say, like middle school and up all the way up into post-secondary. And uh, one that doesn't break the bank is kind of refreshing because now, as you know, Guy, uh, that some of these devices can go north of $2,000 with the highest amount of storage and you know the best cameras and all that. But uh, alternatively, the TCL-10L is a $0 phone on a two-year plan with your favorite carrier or as low as like 350 outright for a really stellar Android phone. It's a six and a half inch device with a uh, full HD plus screen. So when you're video chatting with your classmates or you know maybe streaming something after your schoolwork is done, it looks really crisp. Um, it's got a quad camera system on the back, including a 48 megapixel main sensor. It's got expandable memory, which is pretty rare these days for uh, even an Android phone uh, and other bells and whistles, just great battery life and, you know, uh, fast charging and all that. So um, again, it's called a TCL 10L. There's also the the 10 Pro, but the 10L is uh, more affordable and I think a great pick for students. Yeah, 350 that that is a pretty compelling price. Uh, you know, we've been reviewing a bunch of smartphones over the past couple of weeks. You know, the new Samsung phones and, you know, the Huawei P40. And God, you got to have a lot of money. <laughs> like you're looking, you know, $1,500 to $2,000 uh, for these smartphones. Yeah. And you, John and I both have actually had a chance to try out the, these new TCL phones. And I have to say, I was pretty impressed. Like the, the amount of features that they've packed in there for the price is pretty compelling. Let's move on to laptops. Uh, Mark, what are you thinking? Yeah, so a couple of ideas. Um, if you're interested in something super thin and light, I really like the new Surface Laptop 3 from Microsoft. It comes in either a 13 and a half inch or a 15 inch model, both of which are touchscreens and uh, really gorgeous devices, like different colors and finishes to choose from. I've got this one on loan. It's like a sandstone color, uh, just gorgeous display and really comfortable keyboard, a large trackpad, uh, up to a, uh, 11 and a half hours of battery life, which is great. Of course, Windows 10, uh, Intel Core processors, lots of graphics performance. So it's great. So it's $11.99 to start and parents and students can save up to 10% at Microsoft.ca. That's the uh, Surface Laptop 3. And then if you want more performance and maybe a bigger screen, the HP Omen 17 is awesome, especially if you're into games. So by day, got tons of power, processing power for anything you need to do, especially if you're in a program like a college program for video editing or animation or game design or something. Um, it's got like, you know, the latest processor and, and amazing NVIDIA graphics and uh, a, a big matted four, uh, 17 inch rather uh, display with fast refresh rates, uh, all you're going to want for your gaming after hours. And uh, so that's $19.99 for the HP Omen 17 at hp.ca. And then I guess I just a tip to end off on this part of our chat is if you are looking for a laptop or even a desktop for that matter, I'd strongly recommend the 10th gen Intel core processors. Uh, They just have so many more um, features uh, above and beyond its predecessors that it's really worth it from battery life in laptops to um, support for Wi-Fi 6, the latest standard, which uh, I, you know, maybe we can talk about for a moment. Um, And of course, um, smoother multitasking and all that kind of stuff. So look for the 10th gen, even though you'll find the ninth gens on sales on sale, I think it's worth, you know, future proofing your investment. 
Let's talk about Wi-Fi 6 uh, you just uh, mentioned. Uh, and this gets a little bit confusing, I think, for some people, all these different Wi-Fi standards. You know, in the past, we used to hear uh, 802.11b and 802.11n and AC. Right. They've they've tried to simplify that now, the standards body. Uh, so now it's like Wi-Fi 5, which is kind right. of the right. standard right now. And the new one out is Wi-Fi 6. And yeah. so, and, and, Mark- I had, and I had you on my radio shows recently, Mike, and you brought up a great point. You said, and I'm paraphrasing, it, you can have the best laptop, you can have the sleekest smartphone. It doesn't mean anything without good Wi-Fi. And I agree with you, especially now students are often learning from home and parents are maybe working from home. That's a lot of strain on the on the network. So Wi-Fi 6 is a simplified way of uh, this of calling the new standard, which is 802.11ax. It's a little just rolls off the tongue a little bit easier, Wi-Fi yeah. 6, opposed to the last generation, which was 802.11ac. So to quantify the difference uh, when it comes to speed, 802.11ax or Wi-Fi 6 gives you up to 176% faster speeds on compatible devices. So you need a laptop with Wi-Fi 6 or a smartphone that supports Wi-Fi 6 to get the most out of it, even though it is backward compatible. So that's up to 176 times, uh, sorry, 176% faster, not times. Um, And that is uh, compared to the last generation. Um, Perhaps more importantly, it supports more devices on the network. So you can have several, I mean, look around your home, you probably have, especially you two, uh, tons of gadgets that are all on the network at the same time. So it can support more devices. It's got greater range. Um, D-Link uh, has uh, this new AX5400 Wi-Fi 6 and mesh router. So it's got the two latest buzzwords in one box, Wi-Fi 6 support and mesh. So you can add Wi-Fi extenders around your home, D-Link uh, little things you plug into the wall that make that wireless handshake and it broadens your coverage. And that's 329 for the D-Link AX5400. 329. Yeah. That's not, not bad. bad. Right? That's not now bad. the extenders are separate. Yeah. That's just the router. Uh, but it's a modular system. If you have a larger home, then you just buy more extenders. You have a smaller home or you want maybe Wi-Fi out in the backyard to do your schoolwork until the weather tells you otherwise, um, just pick up one. You know, it's totally up to you, but it does give you the option, which I like. What about some uh, fun time after you get fun all the time. work done? Fun time. Well, something that straddles work and play is uh, the new Kobo Nia. It's a entry-level e-reader, 129, and it uh, supports textbooks. And a lot of, uh, especially sort of post-secondary um, schools are now offering e-books as textbooks, which is easier on your wallet and, and on your back and your back uh, oh my god the, right. the textbooks i had to carry mark know, it was right? insane i know i i remember those days at u of t just the the books and i took psych which had like you know 500 page tomes you know <laughs> hardcover tomes um so yeah so the new kobonia supports up to six thousand books it's got a six inch uh, e-ink display so it's great to read outside, unlike tablets, which are hard to read out in sunlight. And indoors, you can uh, it does look like real ink on paper. And if you want, you can turn on what's called the comfort light to read uh, more clearly. Uh, again, only 129. And it supports this new Kobo service that just debuted in Canada called Kobo Plus. It's uh, $9.99 a month, all you can read subscription. So after the free 30-day trial, you have access to hundreds of thousands of books. It's kind of like Netflix for reading. And it does support textbooks. There's a very large textbook section. 
that covers various topics, but it also of course has the latest bestsellers and the classics and all that. So that's called Kobo Plus. And then finally, let's end off on something a little bit more fun, which is the Nintendo Switch, my go-to uh, gaming um, device for, um, you know, well, I'm past the school age, but uh, I probably played as much as my three teenagers do. Um, the Nintendo Switch was popular before COVID-19, but really exploded in popularity during the pandemic with games like Animal Crossing New Horizons and more recently Paper Mario, The Origami King. There's over 2,000 games now. So really fun to play to and from school if you are going to school in a bus or in the back of your mom or dad's car. Um, and then when you're at home, you just dock it to play it on a big screen TV because you do get the docking station with the Nintendo Switch. And that's $3.99. Yeah, so, I, I think often something a little bit fun. Yeah, I think John's productivity uh, went dramatically downhill when uh, the COVID <laughs> lockdown happened because he's got a switch, and I think if he yeah. could li- live on the Animal Crossing island, he would. <laughs> yeah, I've got a few hundred hours in Animal Crossing. Really? Wow, yeah. impressive. Is that is that all? On Twitter today. Who was it? It was a Canadian food company that has built an island. I think it's like Hellman's mayonnaise. Don't know. Yeah. You can, actually, right? you can actually bring your spoiled turnips and they will donate uh, a, a meal to somebody in the real world uh, if you do this in the game, which is kind of cool. That's really actually. cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I was like, what? I saw this on my feed. I was like, come on. And I'm like, that's actually very smart. So uh, yeah, and I've seen what's sort of on the horizon and they've got a lot of, a lot of cool stuff coming. So uh, just, you know, you've got to blow off some steam after a bad day of exams or something. So <laughs> We've been talking with Mark Salzman, uh, his picks for back to school. Mark, if people wanted to get a hold of you, I don't know why. Where, where, where would they go? <laughs> well, if you buy a jar of Hellman's mayonnaise, no. Uh, I'm on social media, and it's Mark with a C. So uh, on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. and Or my website, if you wanted to shoot me an email, is marksaltzman.com. Again, M-A-R-C-S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N.com. I'm like the East Coast Mike Agarbo. So, I'm the West Coast thanks. Saltzman. <laughs> thanks so much, guys. John, good to chat with you as well. When we come when we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Want to give a shout out to the contest uh, one more time. Giving away a great Samsung Galaxy A71 smartphone. This thing is all kinds of awesome. Beautiful screen, fantastic camera. If you want a chance to enter, it's really simple and you do need to follow the instructions. Uh, and you know, there's a bit of a something in it for us as well. We want you to subscribe to our e-newsletter. Every week we send out an update on what's coming up for the radio shows and podcasts for the weekend and some of the cool tech stories that we're uh, following. It's, it's awesome information. And so to do this, you have to subscribe to our newsletter. Don't fill out the feedback form. Go to the newsletter tab and fill that form out and you will be automatically entered uh, to win. Because, uh, John, we've been getting a lot of people just emailing us randomly. That's right. And that they're not entered if they do that because the system is set up in such a way that you have to fill in the form so we can legally email you the newsletter information and enter you into the contest. We want you to enter. It's, uh, again, a fantastic uh, smartphone, uh, the Samsung A71, sorry, the Galaxy A71 uh, smartphone. Don't forget to uh, check out our sister radio show tomorrow. We've got uh, a great lineup. I'm going to be doing my uh, review of the new Shop Mobile cell phone service. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it worth the money? 
Well, you'll have to tune in tomorrow. And again, the app show is every Sunday morning on CKNW 980 between 10 and 11 uh, a.m. And of course, uh, if you don't get it in your city, you can go to our website and listen to the audio uh, or video podcast at getconnectedmedia.com. We'll also be talking with the CEO and founder of Suchi, uh, a cool app for helping people save up for their college uh, education. And do you need uh, better cell phone service? We'll be covering out how you can do that in your car and even at your cabin or cottage. I want to thank John and Christina for helping put the show together. We'll see you again next time.